Becky, look at her banner. It's beauty, bitch. Warning, this show contains adult content, strong language, mature themes, discussions of sexuality, politics, triggers, and <gasps> feminism. Listener discretion and or earphones are advised. Hey, welcome to Bitchery, the podcast about badass women in history who aren't in the history books because of angry little men. I am Kelly McLean. And I'm Lisa. Mm-mm. What is your full podcast name, ma'am? <laughs> uh, Smarty Pants Lisa. I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> Smarty Pants Lisa. <laughs> was that so hard? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and welcome to Bitchery, where I bully my intellectual podcast partner into owning her silly nickname that I force her to have, and then we discuss women's history for the purpose of female empowerment. <laughs> oh, the irony! <laughs> Please email us and tell her to stop at the coolest email ever. Hey, bitches at bitchery.net. You can also visit anchor.fm forward slash bitchery. And if you feel so inspired, you can click the support button. And I need support. I mean, please support us. I mean, (laughs) Uh, yeah, please share the pod with like minded friends. And I would like to add apparently um, Spotify is being um, weighted more heavily with certain statistics and, you know, certain achievements that we can unlock so if you would please um listen on spotify as much as you can that would be helpful i have to change my own listening habits because i'm a i'm an apple podcast person so i have to shift over to spotify more often but anyway that would help our our stats and shit if you would help us on spotify and we could use some reviews over there I don't think, yeah. If you'd be so kind, thank you. I think you can just do stars. So we would like five, please and thank you. <laughs> or you also. <laughs> anyway, um, well, so here's the part where we don't do current events, and I'm white knuckling <laughs> it through this this transitional period. <laughs> so we decided we're not disciplined enough to do current events, so we just skip that part now. But it's so, I miss it so much. <laughs> anyway, um, no, we're going to do things that are more important than current weirdness. We're going to talk about badass women in history that you've probably not heard of because I had not heard of her in part because I am not smart enough to have been in an area of um, school. <laughs> Obviously, I can't even put words together. Um, education that would have learned about her. And we are talking about Grace Hopper. Who is Grace Hopper, you ask? Well, that's what we're here to tell you. Um, Grace Hopper was born in 1906. But don't let the date fool you because this lady is the, the, and I mean this with the utmost praise because I do love a geek. This lady is the most computer geeky geek. I, I think she might have invented computer geekery. Um, just she's amazing of computer Gregory. Yeah. Seriously, um, Grace Hopper was this little spitfire of a woman with a brain uh, way bigger than I can comprehend. Um, 
let's see. So she was born in 1906. She joined the U.S. Navy during World War II. She was assigned to program the Mark I computer. I don't know what that is, but we'll get to that. She continued to work in computing after the war, and I might add, changed the world. Um, just a little detail. Um, leading the team that created the very first computer language compiler, which then led to a computer language that changed all the computer languages. Um, and then she resumed active naval service at the age of 60, which is cray. And then she became a rear admiral before retiring in 1986. WTF, Grace, wow. What did you eat for breakfast, lady? Wow. Um, and she died in 92, so she retired. I mean, wow. So um, she was born Grace Brewster Murray in New York City. On December 9th, 1906, she was a Sagittarius. So let's see, she liked learning. Um, she liked adventure. I'm trying to apply the astrology here to understand this woman's brain. Um, <laughs> she studied math and physics at Vassar College. After she graduated in 1928, she proceeded to Yale where she received a master's in mathematics at night in 1930. Let's just stop down on that. A master's in mathematics. Um, let me make sure I'm not missing anything super important here. Um, she was the daughter of Walter Fletcher Murray, who also went to Yale. Just a family of slackers, really, is what we're saying. Um, <laughs> Mother Mary Campbell Van Horn. Um, and let's see, her father owned an insurance company. She was educated in private schools. There you go. That's why I'm not her, because I went to public school. <laughs> um, the family summered in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Um, in 1928, she graduated with honors from Vassar with degrees in mathematics and physics. So, you know, this is half a slacker. 1930, again, I said, before she received her master's in mathematics from Yale, I don't even understand a master's in mathematics because I refused to take math after geometry. Um, <laughs> well, I started adding the alphabet to the math. So it was like, um, no. I mean, after, did I take advanced algebra? I think I might have stopped after advanced algebra because after that, when I was in school, it went to trig and pre-calc and calc. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, in 31, 1931, that is, she began teaching math at Vassar while pursuing her doctorate at Yale under computer pioneer Howard Engstrom. And then in 1934, which would have made her, how old? What's 34 minus 6? 28. She had a PhD. Okay. I have a friend whose son is on track to do this very similar thing. He had, and he's all mathy and robotics. I don't even understand these people. Um, yeah. So at 28, she had a PhD in mathematics and mathematical physics from Yale. What? Then, slacker that Grace was, she took a one-year sabbatical from Vassar and studied, oh, during her sabbatical, she studied with the famous mathematician Richard Current at New York University. Um, she came of age at a time of unusual opportunity for women. A relatively high number of women were receiving doctorates in the 20s and 30s, numbers that would not be matched again until the 80s. 
World War II also created opportunities for women to enter the workforce in greater numbers. <clears throat> Nonetheless, her success in a male-dominated field and male-dominated organizations, including the Navy, was fucking exceptional. <laughs> um, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor and the United States' entry into World War II, she decided to join the war effort. She was initially rejected because of her age and her small stature. She was a little petite thing. Um, but she, nevertheless, she persisted. Um, is this a different leave of absence? She took another leave of absence from Vassar, where she was an associate professor, joined the U.S. Naval Reserve for women. And um, in December 1943, she was assigned to the Bureau of Ships Computation Project at Harvard. I'm trying to understand. I don't even understand what even is happening with computers back in the 40s. Okay, there she worked for Howard Aiken, another computer pioneer who developed the IBM Automatic Sequence Controlled Calculator. Oh, that, yeah, totally familiar. That is what is known as the Mark I, one of the earliest electromechanical computers. I want to know what electromechanical means. So Lisa and I were discussing this before the show. Electromechanical is probably the punch card thing, right? I mean, I have those vacuum tubes. I'm assuming those that's what punched oh, the stuff. Maybe, um, I don't know. I just know that the first computers were like the size of homes and modern day homes. <laughs> and um, there were these things called punch cards where the like the programs lived on these punch cards. And I don't really understand how that works. To my mind, it would have to have been something kind of like the player piano where you feed it in and the little holes in the punch card make little doozy whoppers do things. But well, I, I, I know that the listeners probably can't track my very technical language, so sorry. <laughs> I think I asked my dad one time too, because he, he used to work, you know, for in a for the phone company where they had, you know, as you said, these huge computers that were the size of rooms and everything. And I think he said that computer was like the memory in it was like 10 megs or something ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. So Smarty Pants Lisa comes from Smarty Pants Plus. (laughs) Smarty Pants Dad worked for (laughs) (laughs) the phone company back in the 70s. And it was very exciting when he'd take, he'd get called in sometimes for an emergency. And if, you know, he was the only one home with us, we'd have to go with him. And sometimes he'd make us, let, let us make a punch card or something exciting like that. Cool. But yeah, it was just huge room, and it was like um, it was. It almost felt like it was um, hermetically sealed in there. Like when he closed the door, would kind of suction your ears a little bit because hmm. they had to really control the humidity and the you know temperature and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, interesting. That's really fascinating. Yeah, we need to. We were like, we need to get your dad on the show. <laughs> you know, we should have asked him to be a guest. Oversight. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Um. So anyway, she programmed this monster Mark I oh, and punching machine instructions onto tape. So if I'd read one more sentence, I would have gotten to the punching, <laughs> the punch cards. And then she wrote, no big, the 561-page user manual for the Mark I. So In her spare time, no doubt. Yeah, if you want to just, you know, go down to the Best Buy and pick up your Mark I, then you re- sit down and you read the 561-page there's no such thing as a PDF yet. I just, it's all very, very, very overwhelmingly brainy. Anyway, the close relationship between the American military and the and early computer his, industry. Um, 
nurtured by the war and then the Cold War, shaped her career path. Um, she and her fellow officers in the Harvard lab worked on top secret calculations essential to the war effort, um, computing rocket trajectories, creating range tables for new anti-aircraft guns, calibrating minesweepers. No big deal. <laughs> in addition to their work for the Navy, Hopper and her colleagues also completed calculations for the Army. Oh, the Navy and the Army working together. That's some juice right there. Um, she, quote, ran numbers used by John von Neumann in developing the plutonium bomb dropped on Nagasaki, Japan. Yikes. Um, let's see. Make sure I'm not missing anything. The price, the price tag on that Mark One, by the way, if you're interested, is yeah, yeah. 50k. A bargain at the time. <laughs> it is. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. Where are we in the war? Or out of the war? Okay, we're kind of in and out of the war. Um, after the war, I'm kind of hopping around in and out of the war here. Okay. Hopper, I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After the war, Hopper remained with the Navy as a reserve officer. Um, she worked with the Mark II and Mark III computers. She was at Harvard when a moth was found to have short, shorted out the Mark II and um, was sometimes given credit for the invention of the term computer bug, although she didn't actually author the term. She did help popularize it. Can you even imagine? This is like Sheldon-level humor. <laughs> I can't even imagine being in this room while these insanely, insanely intellectual people make jokes about computers. We got to debug the computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Um, let's see. Um, she turned down a professorship at Vassar in order to continue research and, you know, the whole debugging thing. <laughs> um, let's see. Shortly, let's see. She left active service when the Navy turned down her request for a regular commission because of her age, and that was in 1946. Shortly thereafter, she left Harvard when it became clear that she would not be promoted or granted tenure. So here we go. Here we go, motherfuckers. Then in 1949, she joined the Eckert Mockley Computer Corporation in Philadelphia as a senior mathematician. Um, the company, which was soon acquired by Remington Rand, Rand had developed the first electronic computer, the ENIAC, under Army contracts. And I think that's about where I hand it over to you so you can explain COBOL. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to go, I always do like the nerdy historical part of it, but uh, I just wanted to pull up some facts so we can just accentuate how amazing she is and her accomplishments were um, for the time period, especially. Um, yeah. Currently, so COBOL, even though she didn't invent it, she sort of, you know, some of the things that she did invent or work but on developing led to the led to the development of COBOL. COBOL is, you know, a processing language. Um, and these applications they're mainly used to run financial things they're like payroll programs, pension funds, they operate banking systems, hotel bookings, airline tickets. Um, and estimates um, today assume that they are that COBOL, the COBOL language supports more than three trillion, that's trillion with a T, wow. in daily commerce. 
That's still today. $3 trillion in daily commerce. $3 trillion, yep, in daily That's commerce today. That's insane. I know. So, you know, she was she was at the forefront of, you know, developing this uh, the the mechanisms that ca- that wrote this language, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But so she was, you know, in college back in the 20s and 30s when um, less than five percent of women went to college during this time. Yeah. Um, and I tried to find out how many were actually in STEM. I mean, I'm sure like three point eight percent is an estimate that I found three point eight percent. And I would I would say like 0.4 percent were in science. You know, I mean, I, I'm assuming a lot of them were in literature and arts, things like that. Um, but I don't know how many were in STEM, but it could not have been very many. Right, but I can't um, even imagine what kind of toddler she was. Like, what kind of toys did this kid need? For how real? many did she, she, she just stumble so, at the house? Right. <laughs> so precocious. Yeah. Um, but as you were saying, like in World War II, um, a lot of opportunities um, changed for women in the workplace. Uh, my grandma went to work for Remington Munitions uh, in California, oh, wow. Wow, wow. and she was a you know little Rosie the Riveter, adorable, I'm sure. Um, but um, over 350,000 women volunteered for military service in World War II. And about 20 times as many as that stepped into civilian jobs um, that were previously closed to them just because men had them. Mm -hmm. Uh, More than 7 million women who had not been wage earners before the war joined 11 million already in the American workforce between 41 and 45. Uh, An untold number moved away from their hometowns for the first time. They had choices to move up and away. They didn't, you know, live and die in the same place. Uh, They Mm -hmm. were moved to big cities and things like that. Um, but uh, you know they want they went away to raise funds, help support their families, and to fill the jobs that men had while they were away. Um, uh, you know during the war. Mm-hmm. So I mean a lot of and a lot of things sort of got looked the other way: race, class, sexuality. More so the norm. I wouldn't say that they those completely went out the window, but sure. you know social mores were you know right turned, turned a blind eye on them sort of. Um, as far as wages went. Uh, there was a law saying that a woman, you know, performing, a, you know, a similar task to men should be paid equally. And as we all know, that didn't happen. Um, and still it continues. Thank you. Today doesn't happen. <laughs> so ridiculous. We have not advanced that much. But um, the ERA has still never been signed into law. Banana bread. I can't even talk about it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so let's see. I, this is an estimate that I found. Uh, in 1944, skilled female workers earned an average of 31.21 per hour. Or, excuse me, that's the weekly wage, 31.21 per yeah. week. Uh, there are federal regulations requiring equitable pay for similar work, but their male counterparts in similar positions earned 44, 54.65 per week. 31.21, 54.65. So when, so when the Republicans say they want to go back to the good old days and make America great again, this is pretty much what they're talking about. And to be honest, we really haven't moved that far away from it. So yeah. we're getting closer and closer to repeating it every single day. But anyway, go ahead. Well, but they start, and women sort of, you know, they knew it, but on the other hand, for instance, one job that women would normally have even before the war would be like working in a department store. Right. And so she'd be she'd be making about 20 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. So really 3121 kind of looked pretty good to her at that point, you know what I mean? Right. Right. 
So, I mean, unfortunately, they were, you know, supply and demand. So she's just like, I'm going from making 20, you know, to making 30, right. you know, I'm, she was okay with it. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of crummy, but anyway. And, and so as it applies to Grace, uh, one of the things was that until actually 1948, um, July 12th, 1948 to be exact, women couldn't serve in the military um, regularly. So other than with the exception of nurses, women could only serve in the military during times of war until they, on June 12th, 1948, they enacted the Women's Armed Services Integration Act. I had never heard And of at this. that point, um, you know, women could be, you know, outside and above nurses. They could, you know, be permanent mm-hmm. regular members of the armed forces, which they couldn't be, including the Navy, which Miss Grace joined. So, um, you know, it was, it was a, I don't know, it was an interesting time for women. I mean, they made a lot of strides mm-hmm. and then they kind of went back to the 50s housewife when the men came back. So it's an interesting time because I feel like that was sort of the birth of the women's movement because it's just like, I was sort of just going to say. They went back to being housewives and then came the 60s and they were like, this is kind of bullshit. And they empowered their daughters, I think, to be like, yeah, you don't need to do this shit. Trust us. Right. And they had a taste of that freedom and it's hard to go Mm -hmm. back, even though it's just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been waiting for my husband or my boyfriend to come back so I could be a mom and do all the things I've always wanted to do. But I've had a taste of that freedom, too, and independence. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to it's hard to go all the way back from that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Never really thought about that before. That's wild. Um, So real quick, like the programming languages, literally, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm reading it out of Wikipedia. So (laughs) she um, led the release of some of the first languages. Um, One was called Flowmatic. I didn't even click on the link for this because I'm sure my brain would, you would hear my brain like melt. Um, In 59, she participated in the Codicil Consortium another link I didn't click on because I'm sure it's over my head, which consulted Hopper to guide them in creating a machine independent programming language. And that led to COBOL, um, which was inspired by her idea of a language being based on English words. What was it based on before? (laughs) Well, and I wonder if it was just based on binary, binary code. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, that's probably what punch cards were now that we you've said that. I think it was yeah. an on-off, on-off, one-zero kind of situation. Yeah. I'm smart. I have I have moments. It's not that impressive. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's see what else is in here. Um, I guess that was it on the on the the languages. Um she retired from the Navy Reserve in 1966. Um, she was called back to active duty at 60 to tackle standardizing communication between different computer languages. Can you imagine? Okay, first of all, I just turned 50. I, I there's no way. <laughs> I can't even form the sentence around it. Okay, anyway, um, then she remained with the Navy for 19 years. So it, she was 79 when she retired from the Navy. That is insane. Um, let's see what this article says. Oh, here we've got other things. Flowmatic, Fortran, that's another computer language I'm familiar with, at least the name. Yeah, crazy, 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 the things that she contributed. Um, 
Hopper became well-recognized toward the end of her life. She was the recipient of more than 40 honorary degrees. What? Wow. And many scholarships, professorships, awards, and conferences named in her honor. In 1972, she received Yale's Wilbur Lucius Cross Medal. And in 1991, George Bush awarded her the National Medal of Technology, the highest technology award in the U.S., she was the first woman to be so honored as an individual. She died the next year, by the way. In 96, the Navy commissioned the USS Hopper, a guided missile destroyer. Kurt Bayer, author of Grace Hopper, The Invention of the Information Age, suggested that Hopper achieved so much attention and even celebrity late in life because a Republican congressman from Illinois saw an interview with Hopper on 60 Minutes in 1983. After seeing the interview, he successfully introduced a bill to have Hopper promoted to the rank of Commodore. That's fucking amazing. Um, at 79, like I said, she retired as a rear admiral. She was the oldest serving officer in the U.S. Armed Forces. That same year, she went to work as a senior consultant. <laughs> she retired and then she went to work as a consultant at a public relation, oh, in public relations at the Digital Equipment Corporation. Probably because they didn't know how to put the words together for what they did <laughs> in order to, to do it. Grace, we need a press release and we have no idea what they've sent us up from the IT department. Can you make this into language, please? <laughs> no idea what this means, yes. Oh, my God. Um, where she worked up until a year before her death in 92. She was buried with full military honors in Arlington National Cemetery. In 2016, she was posthumously um, awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor in recognition of her remarkable contributions to the field of computer science. Um, let me see. I, I, I don't know if they said this in the... Um in the uh, article here. I didn't see the in here the article you're reading but um, the guided missile destroyer on the USS Hopper oh, well, yeah mm -hmm. that technology for guided missiles was started was started by technology created by Hedy Lamar I believe we did we've done Hedy Lamar yeah this, this why I, I guess we forgot to say this but this is the reason why we picked this is because February 10th is International Day of Women and Girls in Science Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, I think yeah. last year we did Hedy Lamar, and her technology, you know, made that guided missile possible. That's wild. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I always forget at the beginning of the show to say why we're doing the show when we're doing it, because some of them are just sort of kind of random, and some of them are based on national whatever day. Um, right. So, yeah, this was the International Day of Women and Girls in Science was February 11th. So, yeah, anyway, um, yeah, so the U.S. Navy Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyer USS Hopper was named for her, as was the Cray, that's what they're going to name after me, XE-6 <laughs> Hopper supercomputer at NERSC during her lifetime. Oh, this is the 40 awards. I thought I was going to say something about the, the missile system, but it did not. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Says she was a brilliant mathematician, duh, and um, also a gifted teacher and communicator. She left the comfort of her faculty position at Vassar to join the Navy, but she always loved teaching. In 59, she was visiting, and she, Hopper was a visiting and then adjunct lecturer. That is a 
poorly written sentence. (laughs) (laughs) She was an adjunct lecturer at the Moore School of Electrical Engineering at the University of Pennsylvania. From 71 to 78, she served as a professorial lecturer in management sciences at George Washington University. Outside of academia, she organized myriad workshops and conferences to promote understanding of programming and expand the community of computer programmers. Um, Let's see, who said this? Throughout her time at Eckert Mockley, is that how you say that, Mockley, Mockley? I think Mockley, but I'm not sure. Mockley, and its successor company, she also continued to teach a seminar. In accepting the National Medal of Technology, she said, if you ask me what accomplishment I'm most proud of, the answer would be all the young people I've trained over the years. That's more important than writing the first compiler. Mm. Uh, Let's see. This just goes on about what a great writer she was. Again, that whole PR position is probably literally what I was joking about. Like, we have no idea what they're wanting us to say in this press release. (laughs) What are they saying? (laughs) Like a translator position. Yeah. Um, During the Cold War, military and business investment in computer technology continued to grow. Um, People were skeptical about what computers could do or how they could transform new areas and applications. But she fervently believed that advances in computer science would continue to accelerate. She embraced and looked forward to the future. Oh, she died right before the Internet became like I'm sure she knew about the Internet before it became public, though, because it it went public in around 94 and it was being used in the government before then. So she was probably, for all we know, she invented it. <laughs> Don't tell her. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, she said she wanted to live until January 1st, 2000, in order to see the unexpected advances, com- advances computers had made by then. Um, and Y2K. She didn't say that. Remember the whole hoopla and fuckery of Y2K and the panic? Yeah. Those of you too young to remember, when the year 2000 was looming, all the computer people in the world were kind of freaking out because computers had not been programmed with a way to to translate the date 2000. They had only, they really didn't think that far ahead. So like massive waves of updates to Windows and Apple and like, every program you can possibly think of banks were freaking out because you know it was going to send their banking systems back to 1900 and (laughs) it was a real like moment of crisis in computing but we all live i was i was dating somebody at that time who could not go out on new year's eve because they had to go to their office and turn and turn all the machines off at Uh, 11 45 or whatever sit and wait yeah. Until twelve oh five and then turn them all back on and see what happened. Right. Like, exactly. Happened. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yeah. Um there's not a lot written about her personal life, although there is a little blurb here. It says, um, Kurt Beyer, the one who wrote the book about her. <clears throat> She divorced her husband, an English teacher, in 1945. She never remarried or had children. Um, Kurt Beyer discusses her struggles with alcoholism, depression, and suicidal thoughts in the 1940s. But the book does not detail how or if she recovered. That's kind of wow. Mm. Which I think just, she was indeed human. (laughs) Um, 
you know, with a brain that I can't comprehend, but so human. But often I have found people who are incredibly intellectually wired, although it sounds like she was a good communicator. So she seems like she must have been pretty balanced, you know, but um, that whole beautiful mind thing sometimes um, it can be like a blessing and a curse emotionally and personally, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess because she's a teacher, she had to communicate on some level. and Yeah, but it said she was a good teacher, a good communicator. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like she, you know, was that whole, like, there's certain people that are so smart that they're, they can't function. It, she doesn't seem like she was one of those. Right, right. Um, poor health prevented her from receiving, which award? Uh, some award in person but she prepared the remarks delivered on her behalf this is a footnote and i don't know where it belongs hold on <laughs> what award there were many Sorry. where are you footnote number four there uh age restrictions hmm. well that doesn't go together at all so i don't know <laughs> anyway um she was indeed a human being. So I just, I can't even begin to comprehend. I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Her legacy, encouraging young people how to program. The Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing Conference is a technical conference <clears throat> that encourages women to become part of the world of computing, while the Association for Computing Machinery offers a Grace Hopper Award, Grace Murray Hopper Award. On her birthday in 2013, Hopper was remembered with a Google Doodle. <laughs> I have a beef. I have beef with the Google Doodle because on my phone, every time I go to hit the search bar, which is about 5,000 times a day, right before, or right as the page finishes loading, the image hops. And I, instead of hitting the click, the search bar, I end up clicking accidentally on the Google Doodle and it pisses me off every time hmm. I if I, I just I'm great Google I don't need the Google doodle I need to answer this burning question about macaroni right now exactly what do you do before Google just walk around not knowing stuff I guess um, uh, libraries encyclopedias <laughs> I, I guess Yahoo but Google really is the shit yeah um, also my so my nephew my godson is very into anime Mm. And he likes that. He, and he's also a, he's a STEM dude too. Um, but his he has a comic book series uh, called Secret Coders. Mm. And there's a character in there which I'm pretty sure, um, even though it's a Chinese character in the book, the character is Hopper Gracie Hugh. Oh yeah, it has to be. So yeah. But it's a, so if you are into anime, those are those seem fun. I haven't read the whole things. I've just sort of looked through his, but uh, they seem cool. Anime is so popular. Um, <clears throat> here's some random interesting facts. Um, she was the first woman to earn a PhD from mathematics in Yale in 1934. In 52, um, we already covered that, the first compiler for computer languages. Um, we know that she was the first female recipient of the National Medal of Technology. Um, she was the oldest serving officer in the Navy or in the military in general. I don't know. Um, she appeared on David Letterman in 1986, 
during which she explained nanoseconds and picoseconds to her host. And I'm sure that went over really well with Dave. People staring blankly. Right. I can just hear him saying something snarky and smart assy. <laughs> Um, quotes. People have enormous tendency to resist change. They love to say, we've always done it this way. I try to fight that. Um, I tell everybody, go ahead and do it. You can always apologize later. <laughs> I like this gal. <laughs> <laughs> um, compiling in 51, nobody believed that. I had a running compiler and nobody would touch it because they carefully told me. Computers could only do arithmetic is that how that's spelled? Oh, arithmetic. Ar arithmetic? No. Ar wow, sorry. I'm having a stroke as we speak. We <laughs> do arithmetic, but it's spelled weird. They could not write programs. It was <laughs> a selling job to get people to try it. Sorry, that was a legit, like, neurons were rapidly trying to figure out what the fuck was happening with my mouth. And I just, like, how do you spell arithmetic? A-R-I-T. I cannot spell without looking. I-T-H-M-E-T-I-C, I believe. Yeah, it just looks so wrong. I, sorry, really had a stroke right there live on the air. Um, <laughs> she said, people are allergic to change. You have to get out and sell the idea. She's, yeah, she's a little spitfire. I mean, even yeah, though military was. people are like, you know, by the book and order followers, she kind of sounded like she, you know, went rogue many, many a time. Yeah, she definitely was, um, well, a trailblazer, which is how these women end up in our lineup. <laughs> On our show. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps I've just never really written the word arithmetic for reasons I've already covered. Um, not my forte. Not something I've ever really needed to write or read, I guess. That's just a weird word. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You can hear all the like electrical sputtering and the smoke coming out of my ear. Like, what's I happening over there? Burning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I think that's about all we have on her. Um, that's all we got on Miss Gracie. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. Oh man. Oh, there was a correction in the article. Uh oh. Well, my. Um, this stated that Hopper received a PhD in mathematics and mathematical physics, which I believe I said her doctorate was only in mathematics. So slacker. slacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's wild. I had never heard of her um, before, you know, the show. So, yeah, I don't think I'd heard of her before the Google Doodle, actually, that that irritated you. I probably saw that too, but I don't remember. And yesterday, let alone 2013, I don't think it was a good year. So, <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to know where we find some of these ideas, this kind of all started with a book that I bought called Bad Girls Throughout History by Anne Shen, S-H-E-N. And it's, it's, it's a children's book. Um, there's like one page on each woman with these really pretty illustrations of each woman. Everybody from... Dr. Ruth to Nellie Bly and everybody you can imagine. And then for Christmas, Lisa got me another one that has other badasses in it called Extraordinary Women in History. So I flip through these and I'm like, wow, I am 
really not that impressive as humans go. <laughs> well, then we've also found a bunch of just like they've done all these amazing things, but we don't really know their name or we don't know their last name because. Mm-hmm. It's like, so yeah, we're like, we sort of made it our mission to try to talk about these ladies, even if we don't know their name or we don't know their last name or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, because it's, I don't know, it's, it's a history, it's history that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion. Yeah, hardly at all, I would say. Um, and, you know, if there's somebody you want us to cover that you heard of while you're flipping past history channel let's be real they're not talking about any of these bitches on history channel if there's somebody you want us to talk about that you heard somewhere um you know let us know at hey bitches at bitchtree.net happy to cover yes and i think that's about all the mathematical and com- computational language compiling anything that this brain can handle for a, a while honestly <laughs> we're gonna have to do something real light and the comedian next time <laughs> oh, yes. so yeah that's it for this episode of bitchery we hope that it has made you smarter i don't know about me <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed it of course indeed um we would love it if you'd follow us over on instagram at bitchery.pod and then you know i have the other I have bitch explaining and bitch scopes. If you like astrology, please check out bitch scopes. Please check them out on Spotify and do us a solid in that way. And that's it. <laughs> please leave us some glowing reviews. Glowing only. Yes. Check the show notes for uh, info and links that we've covered today so you can refer to them yourself. And read arithmetic for yourself to see if <laughs> indeed I did have a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and join us again next time for an enlightening episode about badass women doing amazing things since forever that nobody's been talking about. Um, And remember, well-behaved women seldom make history. (laughs) So have a great week and go make some bitchery. Yeah. Bye. Do some math. (laughs)